First time in the history of Marvel versus Marvel, we've had something as epic and as big as this to do. Shout out to Peter J, Brandon Schmigilski, Randall Schmidt, Basta Beer, Sam, Bindi, Sue P, Jack Davis, Billy Brown, Zubair Q, and David Fan, because they make the big, big, big mega episodes possible. Without them, we couldn't do a project as big as this. The world class wrecking crew who give the most on Patreon. Thank you to those guys. Will, let's go back to the show. Moore's ship finally reaches its destination, Titan. Thanos' home world lies in desolate ruins, its silence interrupted by Moore's ship making a crash landing. After Iron Man, Doctor Strange and Spider-Man dust themselves off in the wreckage, a stun grenade blasts them before the Guardians of the Galaxy run into the wreckage, guns blazing, mistaking them for Thanos' men. The two groups fight until Star-Lord is able to take Spider-Man hostage, demanding to know where Gamora is. Iron Man holds Drax at gunpoint in response while telling Star-Lord that he doesn't know who Gamora is. Realising that Star-Lord is also from Earth and neither group is working for Thanos, Star-Lord reveals that he met their missing comrade, Thor. Iron Man telling Spider-Man, I don't want another single pop culture reference out of you. This is basically you talking to me, isn't it? You No, you don't know pop culture. What, what I don't want from you is random quotes from obscure moments from a TV thing from 30 years. Like, that's not a pop culture moment. It is. I, I, it's not. No. It's, it's just, if you have a particular type of damage to your brain, you can memorize every line of dialogue from The Simpsons and South Park, and that's not pop culture references. If you were referencing Alien and Empire Strikes Back, I would have a lovely time. But it's never that, is it? Oh no, it has to be something niche like The Simpsons. <laughs> it's a line of dialogue from The Simpsons. Ah, let's do we haven't got time for this. <laughs> so, do the Avengers ever meet the Guardians of the Galaxy in the comics like this? Um, as we said, sort of the this, this this the original team of Guardians of the Galaxy from the future they meet the Avengers in the seventies. Uh, Drax and Gamora fight alongside. Um, Cap and Spidey and, and, and Iron Man and Hulk and others during Infinity Gauntlet. But that was only really a brief meeting. It's all over very quick. They, mm. I, I, <laughs> Tragedy strikes very quickly. Um, and they're not the Guardians of the Galaxy at that point. They're just uh, Adam Warlock's chums. 2012, Star-Lord's team does finally travel to Earth. Um uh, so that that when the Avengers movie came out, Marvel did a release a comic book called Avengers Assemble because n- their their Avengers team did not resemble the <laughs> the mo- the people in the movie, and so and and it was quite inaccessible the the comic book at the time. So they went right. How can we quickly knock together a very accessible Avengers comic for people who've just seen the movie? And so they created this this team. They completely changed Hawkeye's costume to make him <laughs> dress weirdly like the guy in the movie. And they hurriedly wrote something that made the Hulk suddenly rejoin the team. Um, and and there we go. And Thanos was involved. So Thanos comes to Earth and he's assembled this um, 
this powerful group called the Zodiac, uh, and they are stealing cosmic weapons of destruction from the U.S. Army. Um, and while he's there, he does he does face off against the Avengers and quickly gets what he needs and retreats. And um, they they chase Thanos and they fight off a Doom thing and they meet up the Guardians of the Galaxy who have traveled to Avengers Tower to help the Avengers fight off the Badoon, who are an old enemy of the Guardians. Um, and so, yeah, they, they, they do all sorts of, of battle against uh, Thanos. Thanos gets possession of the Cosmic Cube again, and um, it looks very, very bad. It all works out in the end. Um, the end of this adventure is quite interesting, mm. because it being the first time that Tony Stark has met, like, Star-Lord, Rocket Raccoon, all those kind of people, it ends with um, Tony Stark wanting to leave the earth and, and and travel the galaxy to explore alien cultures and find new ideas and new technology so he does um he after meeting the guardians for the first time he leaves the avengers and joins the guardians of the galaxy um so iron man builds a special space of, uh, suit of space armor joins the Guardians, where Rocket Raccoon constantly talks down and belittles Tony Stark because Tony is just a dumb Earth man and Rocket knows loads more about advanced alien tech. It's it's very amusing. And we get bits of it in the movie as in, in Endgame, don't we? It's kind of yeah, fun. yeah. We, well, we've got so much more of that to come. At Nidavellir, Itri shows... So Itris shows Thor, Rocket, and Groot deeper in the Thorge, revealing the mold for a weapon capable of slaying, slaying Thanos, Stormbreaker. But the Thor- Forge's power source, a dying star, needs to be reactivated before they can create this weapon. Back on Titan, Iron Man sets up a plan with Doctor Strange, Spider-Man, and the Guardians to lure Thanos to Titan. But the Guardians don't take well to such a laid-out method of execution. Mantis alerts the group to Doctor Strange, who is in a trance using the Time Stone's power. Coming out of the trance in a shock, Strange tells him that he was going forward in time and viewed as many alternate futures as he could see all possible outcomes with the... So he could see uh, all possible outcomes with the coming conflict. After viewing 14,605,000 possible futures, there's only one in which the Avengers win. Oh, it's really disheartening when someone does that, just views all possible outcomes, providing objective data. They are almost guaranteed to lose. It It's so much worse than the comics. As oh. they get ready to fight the big fight, they're going up against... Like, and again, when, they get, when the heroes get ready for the big fight in the comics, Thanos has all the gems. He is God. Um, and so they know there's, there's, they're all going to die. There's, there's virtually nothing they can do. Um, and Adam Warlock and the sort of silver making no bones about it. It's like, no matter what we can do, we cannot overcome omnipotence. We <laughs> might be able to briefly distract him. <laughs> oh, God. I'm looking forward to that bonus episode. On Vomaya, Thanos arrives with Gamora in tow and heads towards a mountain where the soul stone is kept. Arriving at the summit, they are greeted by the stone's keeper, the Red Skull, the former head of Hydra who was banished to Vermeer by the Tesseract in World War II. Since then, he's been living in a state of purgatory for the last 73 years. Thanos asks where the Soul Stone is. With the Red Skull warning, it comes with a terrible price. Leading Thanos and Gamora up to an altar, Red Skull explains that to acquire the Soul Stone... One must sacrifice that which they love, a soul for a soul. Upon hearing this, Gamora starts laughing. 
knowing that her father, a tyrant who kills and tortures in the name of mercy, loves nothing or no one. Turning around with tears in his eyes, Thanos looks at Gamora, who scoffs at a soulless being crying at such a failure. But the tears aren't out of failure, for Thanos knows that he must sacrifice his daughter, the one he loves, to fulfil his destiny. Realising that Thanos will use her to get the Soul Stone, Gamora tries to kill herself with a blade, but Thanos wraps it in, uh, warps it into bubbles. Grabbing Gamora by the hand, an emotionally distraught Thanos tells her he is sorry, before throwing Gamora off the altar to a death below. As his daughter, <clears throat> as his daughter lays dying, a crying Thanos is bathed in blue light above before being rewarded the Soul Stone. All Thanos needs are the Time Stone and the Mind Stone. I have to say, the third time seeing this, I, 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 I was tearing up at this bit. That Alan Silvestri score is doing some amazing emotional heavy lifting. Here. Yeah, it was ah, yeah. oh, perfect, perfect. Also, seeing uh, Red Skull's mysterious keep of the Soul Stone was something I didn't see coming at all. That was such a surprising moment. D damn this movie for making me get excited about a Nazi. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, yeah, the Red Skull. Oh, no, wait, no, don't cheer the Nazi in the cinema, Rob. That will go badly. Um, <laughs> but it's just like, hey, I didn't expect this. This is cool. Because I, yeah, I, I, the, the first Captain America film is one of my favourites. Um, so this, this was really, really fun to see. And it, and it makes perfect sense. Yeah, it, no, it all comes together. Uh, you just didn't think about it. The thing is, though, I looked into it. It wasn't uh, voiced by the original voice actor. Yeah, that's right. It changed or something. Or oh, the original yeah. actor, actor, isn't it? Yeah, it's like it was like oh yeah, original actor. But it's like yeah, it's only a little bit. Doesn't matter. So, is this how he gets the Soul Stone in the original comics? Because this is heavy. <clears throat> no, he beats a guy and rips it out of his head. So, <laughs> yes, yes, excellent. In the in the comics, there is no protector for any of the stones. It is made abundantly clear to us at the start that there is no living being in the universe who knows the true potential of these stones, of these soul gems, except for Thanos. He dies, he comes back to life, he goes to death's realm, he stares into the infinity pool, like expands his mind, goes crazy, and learns the truth about this universe and the truth about the stones. So because nobody knows what they truly are, there's nothing like this. There's no one protecting them. There's no one guarding them. A bunch of people, mainly the elders of the universe, have these stones, and they're kind of subconsciously drawing on them, but they're not really using them or doing anything with them. So there's a guy called the there's a a, a, a powerful being called the In Betweener, um, who is being kept prisoner by uh, the Lords of Chaos and Order um, for screwing something up. And Thanos sneaks into that realm and he finds him in his prison. And he's like, "I shall help you break out of your prison." And he's like, "Oh, it's like, but no one can. I can't break this prison, and no one from the inside, and no one from the outside can break the prison." And Thanos goes, "Yeah, but at the same time." We can definitely do it. Um, so I'll help break you out. And so they do that. They shatter the prison. And then he's like, yoink! <laughs> and like, <laughs> snatches the gem off his head. And um, and the in-betweener is about to destroy and smite Thanos. But then his his jailers 
law, uh, chaos and, and, and order spot. He's free and is like ah. So yeah, it's 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 not it's not quite it's not quite the same. Mm. That being said, though, um, there's kind of this different realm to do with the soul gem in the movie, and that's true in the comics. In in the comics, the soul gem acts as a gateway to an idyllic pocket universe, kind of a heaven. Mm. Um, so there is that mysterious realm being carried on there within the stone. Um, and that's where Adam Warlock goes when he dies. And, and Gamora, he, he, he takes Gamora's soul into the soul gem. But when they died fighting Thanos, their souls are absorbed into the soul gem. And they live there for from the 70s through to 1991 in this kind of idyllic paradise realm. Bloody hell. The Avengers Quinjet arrives in Wakanda and are greeted by T'Challa with Adora Milaje. As T'Challa walks and talks to the Avengers about what he can provide to defend against Thanos, Bucky emerges and greets Cap. At Shuri's lab, the Wakandan scientist scans Vision and says she will be able to extract the Mind Stone from Vision, but given the complexity of the procedure, it will take time. The next second, Okoye receives an alert that something has entered the atmosphere. In Earth's orbit, several of Thanos' dropships begin descending, with Wakanda's dome protecting the city from direct impact. As the dropships land outside of the city borders, Vision tells the team that it's too late. The stone needs to be destroyed now. Cap gives the order to Wanda to destroy the Mind Stone as a last resort before him and everyone else leave the room to prepare for battle. Back on Nidavellir, Thor uses Rocket's pod and a rope with a centrifugal force to activate the ring surrounding the dying star. However, after a few seconds, the forge shuts down. Something is jamming the mechanism, but Thor will do whatever he can to keep the machine running. Saying uh, T'Challa here just reminded me, I'm really, miss, really missing Chadwick Boseman. Yeah, yeah. I think we both felt that when we watched Black Panther um, quite mm. recently. Uh, I, 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 we said it, he's a, he was a really unique, he gave a really unique performance. Um, it was a wonderful aspect of the Marvel Universe. Yeah. And... Yeah, he, he was he was uh, something else. He he really brought like I mean, uh, as unique and interesting as Bro- Brolin uh, brings a performance in in his Thanos role. Um, oh yeah, yeah. there was a similarity in that in that Chadwick Boseman, as we said in our Black Panther episode, is able to convey this kind of like sense of regality, the sense of nobility, mm. which I I just so indefinable. I don't know how you are able to bring that to the screen. It's it's, it's very, very impressive. Yeah. Um, and it's wonderful to see him share the screen with Steve Rogers and and some of the other guys. It's just it's really, it's really cool. Yeah, this is the bit we've all... Well, obviously, there was some of that in Civil War, but it's just great to see them back to... You know, everyone back together yeah. again. Back on Wakanda, T'Challa's forces get into place, with Bruce Banner donning Iron Man's Hulkbuster armor in lieu of being unable to turn into the big green monster. Outside the dome... Thanos' forces gather with Proxima Midnight and Colobsidian leading. Examining the force field protecting Wakanda, Proxima is approached by Cap, Black Widow and T'Challa with Black Panther telling the <laughs> lieutenant that all Thanos will get is blood and dust. Jeez. Our- I yeah. just love that line so much. <laughs> However, Proximus says that they have blood to spare before signaling the dropships to open. Out of their gigantic spaceships, hordes of four-armed lizard beasts emerge as thousands of fearsome creatures 
re uh, reach the side of the dome, they forced themselves through the fatal force field using their regenerative abilities to bypass the lethal nature of the dome. As the beasts gradually make their way through the force field, the Wakandans, working with the Avengers and the Winter Soldier, unleash a barrage of attacks to hold them back. However, I don't think just to inter I don't think there's a regenerative nature to them. I thought I, I thought they were rege regenerating as they, they they came through, like their skin started to get better or something. I swear. Oh, I oh may, may, maybe there's maybe there's that. I, 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 my takeaway is that the first bunch of them are dying. Yeah, and the people behind them are able to sneak in. Mm, okay. Yeah, I, 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 I just saw some of them coming through, and their skin was looking better. But you know, I think that's because they haven't been burned by it. I think. No, I, thought, I think no, I they saw burns getting better. Okay, maybe. Yeah. I think okay. the, the point of we've got blood to spare mm. is that we're going to sacrifice thousands so that the ones behind them can breach the the force field. They're gonna, but they're you might be right in that there might be a healing thing. They're doing an impression of Russia in World War Two, basically. They're just sending everything. Overwhelming uh, overwhelming forces, yeah. Yes, it's mad. As the beasts gradually make their way through the force field, the Wakandans working with the Avengers and the Winter Soldier unleash a barrage of attacks to hold them back. However, Bruce notices that the creatures are beginning to circle the dome's perimeter, which could lead to the forces of Wakanda being flanked from behind. Realising that they need to keep all opposing forces in front of them, T'Challa gives the signal to open the barrier, creating a bottleneck that could risk the end of Wakanda. Black Panther cries Wakanda forever and leads the charge against Thanos' hordes as a small opening in the barrier allows the horde in. Like this feels like an even bigger battle than what we saw in Black Panther because Black Panther had you know a big battle at the end, but this is this feels huge. What was a big battle at the end of Black Panther? It was a it was well, pretty much a civil war against the different tribes. While Black Panther, oh, and, yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. No, this is definitely much, 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 much bigger. Yeah. yeah. Um, what it reminds, I I like the idea of they it it stops feeling like a protective barrier and it starts to feel like we're trapped now. Yeah. We're surrounded and trapped. And it reminded me of the seasons of The Walking Dead where they take the prison and they have the outer perimeter of the prison in a fence mm. and the walkers keep coming and they have to keep coming up with these different ways of distracting <laughs> them, running them off, yeah. not letting them build up. And they're testing. There are weaknesses in the in the fence at different points and they have to... Make sure that this felt like that testing the weaknesses yeah. of the barriers and feeling like the barriers protecting us, but it also means we're completely trapped. Yeah, there was a similar line like that in Jurassic Park, the first one where he's talking about the raptors systematically testing the fences for weak points. Mm. Oh god! Yeah, I mean that's. I mean, if you've got the forces to spare, that's 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 how you would do it. So. As Wakanda, Wakanda has been involved in a lot of uh, stories that we've looked into on our bonus episodes, but have they ever fought an alien invasion in the comics? Secret invasion. I mean, we didn't yeah. touch on this in our in our big secret invasion episode because we just had so much to do with the Illuminati and the battle and everything. But during the secret invasion, the Skrulls try to invade Wakanda. Um, and it's interesting. Um, Black Panther's tactics in it are brutal and Ooh. systematic. He his he sends he commands his armies against the invading scrolls. He he meticulously points picks the points to send wave after wave of soldiers um, to take down the weak parts of the scroll. Um, we find out that the scrolls, like the traditional attack of the scrolls, um, is to 
um, sow seeds of dissension within and then send in super scrolls, genetically modified superhuman scrolls that possess multiple powers of, of, of superheroes. Um, mm. For everyone currently on Twitter moaning about something, it's <laughs> been there for years in the comics, so shut the hell up. Um, Black Panther goes toe-to-toe with three super scrolls, Ooh, and with damn. nothing but a sword, he kills all three. Um, the scrolls usually like have won the war like before it began because of their sleeper agents inside um and so they're expecting their sleeper agents to have been able to destabilize wakanda and open the gates for them and when they arrive they just see their heads of their sleeper agents on spikes (laughs) 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 like just outside the perimeter of wakanda is like we know our own um and then they do um at one stage they capture t'challa and they subject him to torture so they can get all the secrets of Wakanda out of him. Mm. Um, but then, in a plot twist at the last second, it is not T'Challa. It is a scroll agent that the Black Panther has manipulated with Wakandan technology to force them to turn into the Black Panther and think it's T'Challa. <laughs> <laughs> it's just a, a really masterful takedown of the scrolls. Amazing. I love that. I love that. Clashing against the ferocious aliens, the Avengers and the forces of Wakanda fight viciously. Black Panther rages Shuri and tells her to hurry with the Mindstone extraction. Back on Nidavellir, Eertree warns Thor that by manually holding the door to the Dying Star open for too long, will kill him. Nevertheless, Thor opens the door long enough, resisting the forces of the Dying Star as much as he can, and allowing Eertree enough time to pour molten Uru metal into the Stormbreaker mould. However, Thor succumbs to the force of the Dying Star and collapses, with Rocket trying to revive him. Eatrice says he needs the power of the axe to revive him, but there's no handle available to complete the weapon. Eatrice yells as Groot, at Groot to help find the handle, but the tree uses his own branches to create the handle for the weapon. As Thor struggles to move his hand, Stormbreaker, sparking with lightning, rises from the ground. Really happy to see uh, Groot do something in this film after acting like a moody teenager. Yeah, we get more cool fight scenes coming up with him, don't we? Yeah, it's like he's just been there playing on his little video game, grumbling at them, and he's like, oh, he's doing something useful now, good. So, Stormbreaker, it, it, this is a weapon that Thor has in the comics, right? This is this is something we get no, there. No, oh, well, oh. it's a sort of, but not really. Um, hey. Stormbreaker, mm. we've talked about Bittere Bill. <laughs> who is this alien uh, Scarthium being um, who defeats Thor in combat um, and proves himself to be so worthy he lifts Mjolnir and is transformed and given the powers and vestige of Thor. Um, Thor realises that the, the fight between them uh, is not necessary and this is a noble being mm. and so he ends up helping Beta Ray Bill save his people um and but but he's been worthy of Mjolnir, so he carries Mjolnir. Uh and Odin says mm, the hammer chose him. He's a he's Thor. Mm. Um he's worthy, he gets it. He beat if he beat Thor in combat and you're worthy, you get the hammer. That's how it works. Thor has no right to the hammer anymore. And Beta Ray Bill feels guilty over his, his victory. Um and that feels that Mjolnir belongs to Thor and all that kind of stuff. So 
in a compromise, Odin has the dwarves of Nidalvir create a new hammer ah. made made for um, Beta Ray Bill, who's this cyborg alien dude. Um, and it's created from the same chunk of Uru as Mjolnir. Nice. Um, but it is a hammer, and that is called Stormbreaker. And E3 makes it, and it's, it is called Stormbreaker, but it's not an axe, it's a hammer. Okay. Okay. Does Thor have an axe? Yes, but it's not called Stormbreaker. The weapon he wielded before, he was not worthy of Mjolnir for many, many, many eons or centuries or whatever. Mm. So the weapon he wielded before Mjolnir was a mighty axe called Jarnbjorn. Mm. Um, Dwarven Forge battle axe comprised of Asgardian steel. Not enchanted, um, but in- exceptionally strong and dangerous. And then, during the 11th century, Thor is gets into a fight with Apocalypse. Oh, damn. Apocalypse, we learn, is part of this tale, is a representative of the Celestials. We'll get into that at some point. I can't wait. Apocalypse's whole thing of only the strong should survive is apparently part of a celestial design so that only they get the perfect specimens of mutants and humans and anyway. Um, Thor blesses Jon Bjorn with his own blood and this enchants the... um, the 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 axe so that it has the power to pierce celestial armor which is what i mean it could crack through a celestial's hide but also the celestial armor is what apocalypse wears um so he uh, goes to town on on apocalypse with it and then kang has it and then it gets stolen from kang by the apocalypse twins and then it works its way back to um back to thor and when thor is no longer worthy of mjolnir after nick fury makes him feel like a piece of poop on the moon um he picks up Jon Bjorn the axe again um and uses uh, Jon Bjorn when he is thor the unworthy but then he fights Malekith, as we covered in our Goddess of Thunder episode, and Malekith, and a force of uh, frost giants, and Malekith takes Jon Bjorn from Thor and uses it to cut off his own arm. Um, Thor doesn't have a good time of it. No. And there we go. No. So, yeah, there is a Stormbreaker, but it's not an axe. There is an axe, but it's not Stormbreaker. That was some nice phrasing there. There's an mm-hmm. axe, but it's not Stormbreaker. There's a Stormbreaker, but it's not an axe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're right. I did do a song. Yeah. yeah. As, the, uh, as the battle for Wakanda rages on, the Avengers and the Wakandans are slowly getting overrun. Just when all seems lost, a Bifrost appears, followed by Stormbreaker flying and taking out many aliens. That's the thing they don't really seem to br- br- bring a huge amount of attention to. Stormbreaker can summon the Bifrost, which which Mjolnir couldn't do. That's a big deal. Oh, I you know what? I looked at this and now I'm looking back and it's like, why didn't I stop and question what was going on here? I just went, ah, they, there's they so much happening, so much happening. Yeah, from the bright light, of the Bifrost merges Thor and with Rocket and Groot. The Thunder God has returned to Earth and demands Thanos before smashing Stormbreaker into the ground, sending dozens of foes flying back. Loved loved seeing Thor's arrival here. 
but I really love Banner's reaction. Ha! You guys are so screwed now. <laughs> As someone who, like, isn't the biggest fan of wacky Ragnarok Thor, mm. I really... And I don't, I, you know, I, it's not like I wanted to see him go through. But I, like, for me, this was like, oh, we've got a Thor. We've got a real Thor now. Yeah. We've got, like, a, a mad warrior comic book Thor has arrived. And I was like, this is cool, man. I'm I'm really hyped for Thor to get into this one. It was, it was so good to keep the characters split up and to keep them bringing them together at various yeah. moments. So you go, oh, yeah, so-and-so's here. Oh, yeah, that's yeah. happening now. That's really cool. Yeah, I liked... Um, I, I, like, I like the fact like he, he appears there and it's like, oh, there's also a talking raccoon and a tree monster, but we'll get on to that in a bit. It's just... Yeah. yeah. Oh, sorry. My, my volume's going weird. On Titan, Thanos emerges from a portal looking to retrieve the Time Stone and is greeted by Doctor Strange sitting alone. As Thanos approaches the Sorcerer, the other Avengers and Guardians get into place to ambush. Using the Reality Stone, Thanos exp- uh, explains the fall of his home planet. Once a thriving planet, his people faced extinction, but Thanos offered a solution, having the population of the planet in a way that's fair. But he was deemed a madman, and what was predicted came to pass. Further pushing his point, Thanos explains that with all six Infinity Stones in his possession, all he would need to do is snap his fingers and half the population of the universe would cease to exist, something he sees as mercy. As Doctor Strange gets up and readies to fight, Iron Man drops a building on Thanos. However, all this does is make Thanos angry. Ah, another villain with a TED talk to try and convince you that he might have a good point. Like, the last time I saw a villain do something like this was uh, Samuel L. Jackson in Kingsman. They all do it eventually, don't they? Yeah, they, they, have, they have the TED talk ready. They, 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 they know the speech, they've rehearsed it. He has the advantage of going, ha look at what my planet used to look like until they didn't listen to me. Mm. So <laughs> Burned them all. They, <laughs> in the original stories is uh, Thanos from Titan. Do you remember the Eternals? Yes. Thanos is an Eternal. Oh. So, okay. what we've discussed about the Eternals and what you used in that movie, the Celestials come to Earth and they manipulate the population and they create three strands, baseline humans, um, monstrous deviants, and powerful Eternals. Hmm. Um. That went on for a while. Uh, and the Eternals have superpowered mutations hmm. or superpowered beings. A civil war broke out a long time ago in the past, an eternal civil war about whether they should use their powers to conquer other races. And one faction of Eternals led by Kronos, and then the other was his warlike brother Uranos. Kronos's side prevails, and Uranos. And his defeated faction of Eternals left Earth and eventually ended up on Saturn's moon, Titan. Ah, okay. Um, and Kronos... They, they are different from the, the Titans on Earth. Sorry, the Eternals on Earth. Um, but different experiments did different things and... Um, 
quantum energies were flowed through the Titan Eternals and and all sorts of um, of, of things like that. Um, Thanos is born on Titan as the son of two Eternals and the the grandson of Kronos, the the, the leader of the um, Eternals back on Earth. His mm-hmm. father is called Mentor. Um, but Thanos carries the deviance gene, so ah. he, he is he is an eternal, but he possesses the monstrous physical appearance of their sort of sister or cousin race, the deviants. Um, his appearance terrified his mother, uh, <laughs> and she went mad and believed that he would destroy all life in the universe, and she wasn't far off. Um, she went insane, tried to kill him. But she was stopped by her husband, um, and uh, and yeah, that's that's kind of where Thanos is is, is from. When he became a pirate terrorist uh, criminal um, and obsessed with death, and kind of driven a little bit mad by death, he commanded a, a, an armada of war vessels and an army of cutthroats, and he used this armada to decimate Titan, um, to kill all his own people basically um virtually everyone was good and he, not satisfied with raining down death from above titan uh, sorry uh, thanos teleported down to titan to personally execute survivors that he found Bloody um, hell. his brother eros survived his his father mentor and a, and a bunch of other eternals are still alive but he's the that's why he's known as the mad titan Will, I think it's appropriate in this time of uh, the Infinity War episode where we're talking about the morality of power to talk about the morality of their power. Your power out there, everyone listening. That's right, (laughs) listeners. You have the power to help this podcast, but you're choosing to do the evil thing by not helping. And the only way to help, of course, is to head to patreon.com slash marvel versus marvel it's the moral thing to do will you have the power the moral thing is to go to patreon.com and help us the podcast only exists because of a delicate balance of resources do you get it (laughs) right yeah yeah our resources i.e cashola money are not high enough if they're not high enough this entire podcast will vanish the snap of a finger just like that. Or worse still, half the podcast will wither and die and fade away. And this will simply be called Marvel V, which is not a show. <laughs> Can't have a show called Marvel V. We tried. Apple rejected it. You have the power. You don't have to go back in time. And you can make it right right now, today. You can increase our resources and help this podcast for the greater good of the universe. Show your support over on patreon.com slash Marvel versus Marvel. You can support us for as little as £3 a month. That's barely the cost of a cup of coffee. And it's a coffee that me and Will have to share and make awkward eye contact all the way through. <laughs> and in exchange for your support, we'll give you awesome bonus content like Obscure Marvel, the show where me and Will dive into the most ridiculous, silly, hilarious and obscure moments in the history of Marvel Comics this month, Will. <laughs> we looked at Thor and Loki versus the world. <laughs> uh, how 
how did you enjoy that episode with a very silly Thor? Oh, I mean, you know, it wasn't as silly as say uh, Ragnarok Thor and whatnot, but man, it, it it got it got very silly, especially the the bit with the brain. But you know, I'm gonna be karate chopping you on next time I see you. I'm gonna karate chop you on the back of the head and see if I can make you evil uh, because <laughs> Loki told me to do it. Um, <laughs> I also did love. If you go to check out the episode, Odin's master plan <laughs> to defeat them all, which involves going to B&Q, getting some supplies. Um, that's what we do. We have fun with Obscure Marvel every single month. For everybody that donates at the £3 tier, that's the, the, the smallest tier available, you're going to get access to that awesome bonus content. There's tons and tons of Obscure Marvel episodes up there for you to enjoy. Um, we're going to welcome some new patrons who became part of the community this summer. Uh, Ellie B, Robert, Adam, Joyce, Marcus, James Bull, Dave N, K Squad 80, and Toby Pearman. Pearman. Those guys all did the right thing. They all realized it was time to give back to this podcast, give back to this community, and it's thanks to their support that we're able to make huge episodes like this, the biggest one we've ever done. Um, and there's just, you know, they succumbed and eventually realized the moral thing to do was to support us. There's 75 bonus episodes available right now. This month, we're diving into tons of Marvel history uh, in this episode. But this movie doesn't scratch the surface of the original comic book, The Infinity Gauntlet. This month's bonus episode on Patreon is a deep dive into the stories that inspired Infinity War. And Will, you just said like moments ago to me that you're really excited for that particular deep dive bonus episode. I can't wait. I really want to know how the comic uh, improves over the film. It's just so different. I mean, you'll be the judge of whether it improves or not, but it's just so different. Thanos, very different character, um, wonderful kind of conclusion and ending. It's just really exciting. Um, We're going to take you through the resurrection of Thanos, his quest for the Infinity Gems, his battles with Adam Warlock and the Silver Surfer, his obsession with death, his alliance with Mephisto. That's right, Mephisto's in this one. And just exactly how powerful the Infinity Gauntlet is. Join us this month for part one of our Infinity Gauntlet deep dive. Only available on Patreon. You can get access to 38 deep dive bonus episodes. Plus early access to every show. Plus access to 33 mini shows. It's all waiting for the people that do the right thing and help supporters. Patreon.com slash marvel versus marvel stand up be counted help this podcast help the community ensure we can do mega episodes like this patreon.com slash marvel versus marvel do the right thing using the power of his infinity stones thanos fights against iron man doctor strange spider-man and the guardians with the fight seemingly evenly matched after launching an impressive barrage of attacks thanos comes face to face with nebula Fighting her father, Nebula demands to know where Gamora is. The rest of the heroes suddenly each restrain Thanos' limbs, holding him in place while they try to remove the Infinity Gauntlet. Mantis lands on Thanos' head, trying to keep him calm, but also sensing great anguish within. Star-Lord confidently approaches Thanos and demands to know where Gamora is. But as Thanos is is too overwhelmed and emotional to talk, Mantis reveals that Thanos is mourning. 
Realising that Thanos took Gamora to Vermeer and returned with a soul stone, Nebula tells them that Thanos has murdered Gamora. As Star-Lord's face darkens, Iron Man tries to tell Star-Lord to stay calm as they've almost finished removing the gauntlet. But Star-Lord, overwhelmed with rage and sadness, starts to pound the tyrant in the face, snapping Thanos out of his stupor, allowing him to break free from his bonds and attack the heroes. Using the Power Stone, Thanos tears off the side of Titan's moon and sends chunks of space rock hurtling towards the team, tearing apart the barren landscape with explosive force. It is annoying when uh, they almost had it, but the plan was ruined by uh, human emotions. <laughs> this that that this moment really bothered me in the cinema, um, just because Star Lord, the comic book character, had been such a. a, a, a such a beloved favorite of mine yeah. during the the Abner and Lanning Guardians of the Galaxy comic, and that Star Lord, the Star Lord, my Star Lord, the real Star Lord in my mind, <laughs> he would never like. He is this this like grizzled war veteran hmm. that would never have like you know he'd he just wouldn't have been so so kind of like swayed by nonsense like this he he would he's he's the character that always does makes the hard choice does the hard thing he puts bullets in his own comrades to save the universe he trapped his best friend um in the cancer verse to stop thanos (sighs) he would never have like effed everything up like this at the end because he was a bit sad and gloomy um and it did kind of slightly bug me but there you go no, I can understand. I mean, I mean, it's one of those things online where everyone's saying like, "Ah, if only Star Lord didn't lose his temper, they, you know, they would have prevented it." But that storytelling, you need these little bits, you know. The villain is still Thanos. The bit is still <laughs> like, I can't believe you didn't steal that villain. Like, stop that villain! You're the real villain. No, 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 it's still them. <laughs> Back in Wakanda, the battle rages on, with Thor, Rocket, and Groot giving the edge they need. Watching from Vision's bedside, Wanda sees Thanos' forces unleash giant rolling blades, forcing the Wakandans to fall back. Realising they need her help, Wanda enters the battle and stops the rolling blades. Noticing that Wanda is now on the battlefield, Proxima orders Corvus Glaive to retrieve the Mind Stone, now that Vision is vulnerable. Corvus fights his way into the lab as Shuri speeds up her work. At the last minute, Shuri opens fire at Corvus, with Vision getting up and tackling Corvus out of the window. As the rest of the team are alerted to Vision on the move, Proxima gets the jump on Wanda, but before she can finish her off, Proxima is flanked by Black Widow and Okoye. In a nearby forest, Vision is attacked by Corvus and Cullobsidian, but Banner enters, ready to take them on in his Hulkbuster armour. As Carl tackles Banner... Bruce calls the rest of the team for backup as Vision and the Mindstone are vulnerable. As Banner t- uh, fights a losing battle against Cull, he wills Hulk within to make an appearance, but the green monster within refuses. Knowing he has to do this alone, Banner unleashes all he has against Cull, eventually attaching a severed arm from the Hulkbuster suit, activating the jet power and sending Cull Obsidian rocketing towards the top of the dome, exploding in a massive light. Apparently, the only way to beat Cull Obsidian is to just get him as far away from you as possible. Teleport <laughs> him, shoot him into the sky. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, what was it? The little bit in there saying, Cap replying, 
to I am Groot with I am Steve Rogers. It's like with a serious face. It's a great little moment there. <laughs> but it's entirely in character. It's uh, entirely in character. Uh, but an, it's alien, like... an alien he doesn't know introduced themselves and he did the same. He did the same. Without, he, wasn't, you know... he doesn't know it's a catchphrase or that it's the only thing. He just goes, someone I don't know said I am Groot. And he said, I am Steve Rogers. I, I but, know. I know. But wonderful. it's just... It's just a juxtaposition of Absolutely. like the, the one of the most down to earth heroes, you know, with, with juxtaposed against something wacky like Groot. It was just a great little moment. I, I could write love letters about about how much I adore. Um, I can't think of the actor's name now. Chris Chris Evans is Steve Rogers. He is yeah. Note perfect in every, <laughs> he he elevates that role so much. He's so great with everything he gets to do, and and he's just a, such a great emotional center of these movies. And yeah, it is wonderful when he gets to do a little bit of comedy fun stuff. Just wonderful. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. So does 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 this happen with the Hulk where Banner can't? Uh, to suddenly turn back into the Hulk. Like, does this? Does he have an arc like this in the Infinity Gauntlet comics? You know, does he get Hulk gets scared of Thanos? Can't you know turn into Hulk again? No, this is the Professor Hulk, the merged Hulk of the early nineties that we've delved right. into. Do you remember that? Yeah, I, um, I, I remember. Yeah, which yeah. is where the, the sort of the three the three versions, which are the smart, canny Grey Hulk, the green, wild, savage Hulk, and Bruce Banner all merge into one new elevated kind of uh, merged version of the Hulk that has kind of a new personality, but is meant to have Bruce Banner's intelligence and mind and genius, mm. the Grey Hulk's savvy street smarts, and the power and physical size of the Green Hulk. Um, a, the, the most popular version of the character, I would, I would think. Um, and, uh, yeah, he... he he reluctantly joins these defenders or and and part of the reason why he kind of turns down the initial invitation is because he is still really this new version of of the hulk is really sore um over the fact that they kicked him out of the avengers in issue two back in the 60s mm-hmm. um and he's like you got some big statues up about all the um founders of the avengers i'm not in any of those statues there's no picture of me in your mansion when you talk about the great avengers like you just completely ignored me um and he he's he has the the tendency to be quite petty and quite you know um selfish which is interesting for a hulk Hmm. um and cap is like right okay i get we just if you can just join us and help with this thing, we'll address all his problems in time. And he's like, okay, as long as all the founders apologize to me, Iron Man's there, uh, and you summon Hank Pym, get these guys going, and if I get a nice apology from the Avengers, I'll come and help you all out. So that's quite interesting, mm-hmm. um, holding a grudge. Um, but no, he's Hulk all the time, all the time. There's no more Banner in the, in the early 90s. Oh, wow. Um, he's, he has a moment on the roof of Avengers, like headquarters where he goes up there and finds uh he's sat alone and wolverine's up there having a smoke and they're just like we don't need to talk do we no not really um and they have this moment of uh we've had some this is going to be me and you have had some knockdown drag out fights (laughs) to and this one's going to be really so much worse and they're both just like yeah seems like it will be (laughs) and then adam warlock comes to them and says a lot of people down there wear costumes, got powers. They call themselves heroes. 
don't need heroes in this fight. I need someone that's going to kill Thanos. <laughs> so you two, <laughs> if the moment comes to it, I need one of you two to do what Spider-Man probably won't be able to do and what's, mm. you know, all these others won't be able to do, and that's kill Thanos. And, and they, you've come to the right people. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Love it. In the forest, Corvus Glaive stabs Vision in the chest, mortally wounding him. Suddenly, uh, Cap tackles Corvus and orders Vision to run away. Meanwhile, Black Widow and Okoye are almost defeated by Proxima, but Wanda manages to use her powers to send Proxima hurtling straight into the path of one of the rolling blades, obliterating her. Back in the forest, Corvus gets the better of Cap, but is suddenly impaled from behind by Vision, who immediately collapses. I, I loved how they were bringing together these people that hadn't interacted before, mm. and they're being thrown together and they're fighting together. Like we were, it, it was just really cool seeing Black Widow, Okoye, and 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 Wanda fight together was yeah. really fun, interesting, different, and the stakes were really high, and they had a good villain to fight. It was all really cool. It was it was just so good. It plus got nice, pretty uh, gruesome death there as well. Mm. Shove it, shoving her into the rolling blades, blood comes out, splashes on her face. Ugh. Oh, it's it's yeah, it really is an ambitious crossover. This film on Titan, Spider Man is desperately trying to recover the rest of the heroes flung away in the Moon Rock bombardment. Facing Thanos single-handedly, Doctor Strange uses his sorcerer magic against the power of Thanos' Infinity Gauntlet. The fight goes in Doctor Strange's favour as when the sorcerer uses an illusion spell to restrain the tyrant in place, but Thanos breaks free, dragging Doctor Strange into his grasp. Grabbing the eye of Agamotto, Thanos realises it's a fake. The real-time stone is elsewhere. After Thanos tosses Strange aside... Iron Man lands in front of the tyrant and uses a barrage of micro-missiles against him. Unfortunately, Thanos proves a very challenging adversary, eventually pounding Iron Man's suit with his bare hands and resisting all attacks before impaling Stark with his own blade. Just simply seeing Iron Man with having a, having a knife blade weapon was very... Yeah. Odd and yeah, I, not, yeah, wasn't wasn't fun. It felt like a RoboCop moment. <laughs> yeah, yes, it's exactly RoboCop. As Stark slowly succumbs to his wounds, Thanos readies to deliver the killing blow. At the last moment, a struggling Doctor Strange tells Thanos to spare Stark's life, and he will give Thanos the Time Stone. Against Stark's pleas, Strange summons the Time Stone in his shaking hands and relinquishes it to Thanos. As Thanos sets the Time Stone in the Infinity Gauntlet, Star-Lord enters and opens fire on Thanos as the Tyrant slowly retreats into a portal, disappearing. Staring in disbelief at a defeated Tony Stark, Star-Lord asks, Did we just lose? Stark asks Strange why he handed the stone over to Thanos, with Strange replying, We're in the endgame now. Do you think that the endgame was a reference to the name of the next film when they says that, or is he just... I don't know. Um, it could it could well have been they picked the name of the movie after, and could the, be. The, the, it was there just because it's you know it's it's a relatively common phrase in fiction and stuff. Yeah, fairly fairly common. Also, is this how he gets the time stone? Does he take it from Doctor Strange after a big fight, or does he rip it from another guy's forehead? <laughs> uh, he finds it in the garden. <laughs> <laughs> 
was he was apple scrumping. He was he was ju- r- running away from the local bobby, and he he, he jumped to someone's garden and oh, what's that? I'm, I'm not joking. Finds it in a Jesus uh, well, uh, I'm I'm exaggerating for comedic effect. So the eye of Agamotto is nothing to do with a time stone or the infinity um, stones. The eye of Agamotto forged the world's first. Sorcerer Supreme was Agamotto. Mm. Um, and the Sorcerer Supremes from that point on um, have Agamotto as their sponsor. Um, ah. And he, from his, uh, uh, you might call it death, but he's gone to some insane cosmic plane of existence where he can pass down his power to um, his charge on Earth, the next, you know, Sorcerer Supreme. And the Eye of Agamotto is like a great focus of Agamotto's power. Nothing to do with the Time Stone. It's to do with seeing through illusions and dispelling lies and things like that. So, Thanos uh, is going around in the Thanos quest to the elders of the universe. One of the elders of the universe is Ord Zoyons, known as the Gardener. Because his, mm. like, obsession... You know how... With, what, what I've come to realise is the elders of the universe, they're just like old people. When they retire... They just pick something to obsess, like trains. <laughs> like so we've got the champion; he loves boxing, <laughs> fighting, um, and we've got the collector; he just loves collecting stuff off eBay. And then we've got Ord Zoyons, who is the gardener; he loves a garden, um, <laughs> and he travels through the universe, seeding worlds with plant life and biomes, and shaping them into these incredible forests and lush kind of gardens and just doing some incredible things with nature. Um, and Thanos comes to this garden and loves and appreciates the garden. Um, and and Ord is, you know, there to welcome him. And it's, Thanos, it's going to be a real shame when I have to burn this to the <laughs> ground and kill you. But no, Thanos says, I don't want to hurt you. I don't want to kill you. And I don't want to really damage this beautiful, lush garden. Never seen anything like it. But... He reveals that the stone that um, the gardener had, the reason the gardener can grow such incredible flowers is that he is unconsciously tapping into the time stone ah. to accelerate the growth yeah. and do all sorts of things like that. And he's just not knowingly doing it. So they have this, um, I don't know what you should call it, meditation battle in this have a peaceful discussion um and and thanos says if you just hand it over i will leave there'll be i won't do any harm to your things to your garden and the gardener says yeah but then i won't be able to use whatever i need to grow my gardens anymore so they have this meditation battle thanos becomes enveloped in um all these branches and vines and it looks like it's going to kill him but he's got the power gem he just shatters all that and then we see that what he's done is he's um, turned, basically, the gardener is dead, and he has Oof. branches growing out of his mouth and his Ooh. eyes and his ears and coming out of his chest, and he's just been ripped apart by um, by the vines and the branches of the garden that Thanos has taken control of. And then he, wow. takes, the, he takes the gem from there, the time stone, in his hand. I mean, it's... Uh... Certainly more dramatic, I guess, than just <laughs> give me the time stone, Doctor Strange. Okay, here you go. Sorry about that. I'll I'll be good. <laughs> Please don't kill that, Tony. That, yeah, but that being said, there's a lot of in Thanos' quest. There's a lot of give me that in exchange for this. He does a bit of that, and and mm. that kind of you know he tra- he and he doesn't go back and he leaves Tony Stark alive. 
Like, he keeps that promise. When mm. he does the snap, Tony Stark is spared. Ah, true. And yeah, true. whether that's because he promised Doctor Strange. Mm. Thanos does seem to be a man of his word in this movie. Yeah. So that, that, so that obviously, you know, excuses him of all the bad stuff he does. <laughs> if, if, but he's a man of his word, Rob. And, uh, well, and, 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 and you know, he, he, there's, there's, a, there's a good reason for why he's doing it. No, shut up. <laughs> Back on Wakanda, the tide of the battle turns as Thanos' dropships either retreat or are destroyed. In the forest, Wanda finds Vision lying in pain. Wanda asks if he's okay, and Vision responds, he's here. Elsewhere, Cap informs the rest of the team that something is incoming. Suddenly, a portal opens and Thanos steps through, facing up against the Avengers. Their attacks have no effect on the tyrants, as the Infinity Gauntlet is almost at full power. Knowing that Thanos is unstoppable, Vision begs Wanda to destroy the stone because they are now out of time. But Wanda can't kill the man she loves. Why does no one blame Wanda for all this happening? <laughs> Why do they blame Star-Lord? Yeah, yeah. Well, they, did, they, they, they blame her after that town, so, you know. I don't know. Yeah, they do, yeah. Yeah, they're just trying to, you know, the, okay. the, the, the blame <laughs> comes round for everybody, Rob. It's the blame bus stops for everyone. Oh, okay. <laughs> Vision continues to plead with her with Wanda finally using her powers against the Mind Stone while the fight against Thanos continues with depressing futility with all the Avengers taken down by Thanos Wanda tries to hold him back while destroying the Mind Stone as, as the glowing yellow crystal in Vision's forehead cracks he tells Wanda I love you the Mind Stone explodes blowing back Wanda and Thanos Approaching Wanda, Thanos tells her she understands her mourning, but Vision's sacrifice was all in vain, as Thanos uses the Time Stone to bring Vision and the Mind Stone back to life. Tearing the Mind Stone from Vision's head, Thanos tosses his lifeless body aside, now cold and grey. Placing the Mind Stone in the last slot in the Infinity Gauntlet, Thanos is now powerful enough to enact his horrific plan. I kept forgetting when I watched this, he has a bloody time stone and that everything <laughs> they do is useless. And I'm like, ah, damn it. That would have been the first thing I went for. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But it, it is. It's truly horrible. And, and it's truly horrifying the way his fingers just like, he's without, without like any care or thought, yeah. he just crushes vision's head yeah to rip that stone out it's really every time i watch it i think that moment is is a really yeah a really it's, gruesome moment it's just that i know he's a robot but he obviously looks very human it's just that Bloody dent in robot. his forehead yeah like, i must admit actually I've, I've come to realize this i really i really have some sort of i don't know if it's a phobia or something with any kind of uh, any any depiction of injuries to the head, oh, I have a yeah. real uh, problem with it. So maybe it's that. Yeah, good to that know. Makes it good to know, Rob. Good to know. Good to know. Well, some of them are pretty horrible, you know. But does anything like this happen in the original stories? Does does he use the time stone to get back? I know he rips stones from people's heads. Um, he well, we get what we do get is because we, we I think we lost over it because there's so much going on. Mm. We get. Like in this movie, Cap stands up to Thanos on his own. Yeah. That's a great moment. Yeah. Right? Where he, he he goes in there with the shield and he just tries to do something. Um, and that's directly from the Infinity Gauntlet comics. Cap alone 
goes up completely undaunted, goes up against Thanos, this mad god. All the powerful heroes are dead. And Cap just one step at a time walks right up to him. Is like, let's do this. Um, and it's not ego. It's not insanity. It's stupidity. It's just bravery and an unwillingness to quit. It's one of the most iconic moments in the Infinity Gauntlet. And it would it makes a lot of kind of... It used to make a lot of lists of, you know, some of the most iconic moments in Marvel. Mm. Um, in the, he he rips the vision apart, but not because. So he plunges hands inside of the vision in the Infinity Gauntlet and rips all his insides out. Oof. Um, but Vision's gem in the comics is is nothing to do with the Infinity Stones. It is ah. a solar gem. Hmm. It is just a piece of tech that helps convert solar radiation into power, um, and he can use it to fire blasts of heat. Um, kind of energy start fires and lighting things, but it is not the uh, what is it here? The soul gem, the mind gem. What is it it's here? The, uh, it's the mind gem. The mind soul sto- gem. The soul yeah, stone. that's right. It's all the the mind stone or whatever. Yeah. yeah. So it's not it's not the mind soul stone gem. I keep because in the comics they're gems, not stones. Yeah. I am forever in this mega episode flipping between the two. Um, no, but he he the the mind gem is is still in the comics the final piece that he needs. In fact, I think the way they obtain it might be in the in the, in the same order as Thanos' quest. Um, his final target mm. is like the most famous of the elders of the universe, the Grand Master. Ah. The the Grand Master um, has been enacting cosmic schemes against the Avengers and the heroes and villains of Earth for for many many years in the comics, um, and he likes to take um, kind of heroes and villains and use them as his agents and play against an opponent like on a giant chessboard um mm. and when thanos he know the grandmaster knows thanos is coming for the mind gem um and so he takes the mind he wants to play a game for it so he takes the mind gem and he imprisons it in a random teleportation device that will activate only upon his like it will activate if thanos tries to take it mm, um okay. and it will teleport to a location in the cosmos that not even the grandmaster knows about <laughs> and it will just self-destruct immediately so it's untraceable and it will only deactivate upon the grandmaster's death um mm. and he informs thanos he cannot have the gem until he beats him in a game of his choosing and the grandmaster chooses this virtual reality combat game so they both sit down facing each other at a table put on these headsets and come into this perfectly rendered virtual reality world where they will do battle mm. um and uh the grandmaster has like got all these schemes and traps and plans and he's like always a step ahead of thanos and it's like you just can't ever see that final move that i'm gonna make upon you um uh, <laughs> and then mm. um it then turns out that um, Thanos is not actually sat down next to the Grandmaster. Um, that's a robot that oh. he's built and sent in. Because um, the Grandmaster cheats and sabotages Thanos' weapons in the mm. game. So Thanos goes, ah, cheating, are we? Good, because I did as well. And then, he, <laughs> and then he he kills the Grandmaster, frees the mind gem, and uh, and there he goes. He's got the last the last component for the Infinity Gauntlet. Oh, bloody hell. Suddenly, a bolt of lightning blows Thanos back as Thor throws Stormbreaker at the tyrant. 
Thanos' efforts to deflect the axe fail to stop as the, wep the weapon as it plunges straight into his chest. Groaning in pain, Thanos falls to one knee, with Thor telling the tyrant he will die, pushing the axe in further. As Thanos struggles to breathe, he tells Thor, You should have gone for the head, before raising the Infinity Gauntlet and snapping his fingers. In a dream state, Thanos no longer has the gauntlet. In the distance, he sees a vision of Gamora as a child. Gamora asks if he did it. A broken Thanos replies, yes. What did it cost? asks Gamora. Thanos looks into the vision of his dead daughter and responds, everything. Whew, it's such a powerful moment. You spend the entire film knowing something bad is going to happen. And then when it happens, you're going, now what happens? Now what's going to happen? And that mm. whole vision he has. With, look, he looks so broken there. I mean, I'm not obviously not going to sympathise with him because he's horrible, but yeah, you could, you can, you just, just, I just love the way Josh Brolin's managed to convey that. Mm. Oh my god, it cost, it cost me everything. The death of my daughter, it cost my lieutenants are dead. Everything, yeah. Ev everyone's dead. Everyone's yeah. dead, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're dead, Dave. Everyone's dead, Dave. So, does this happen any differently in the comics? Is there anyone who can stop Thanos at the last minute or anything? Or is it hopeless? Thor doesn't get to do this big moment here because Thor's very inexperienced. He gets turned to glass and shattered. Um, Wolverine, as I said, gets the, gets the Thor moment and he leaps out and takes Thanos by surprise and plunges his claws into uh, Thanos, but Thanos turns them to rubber. Mm. Um, the army is big this is all the heroes Captain America, Thor Iron Man, Spider-Man, Wolverine Cyclops, Drax Hulk, Doctor Strange, Wanda Namor uh, Nova, Quasar, She-Hulk Cloak, Vision, Adam Warlock Silver Surfer, Fire Lord who is a herald of Galactus like Silver Surfer is and Doctor Doom and they're not split up they're all in one unit and they're all attacking Thanos oh Doctor and Doom's he... attacking Thanos yep oh okay. okay because he wants the Infinity Gauntlet oh okay yeah. <laughs> so he keeps trying to betray the team to steal the power for himself <laughs> I shall be God um, yeah. there is nobody nobody there that can stop Thanos nobody um, it is utterly yeah it is utterly helpless and helpless for the for the final word on what happens in the comic books you've got to get with us patreon.com slash marvel versus marvel we'll take you through the whole story um, although actually to be fair maybe that will be part of our special bonus episode when we cover Endgame so you won't get it this month <laughs> Ooh, we're stringing you people along we're stringing with the three, especially with a third part episode <laughs> stringing you along bit by bit in the forest Thor stares at the infinity gauntlet now burnt almost beyond use and yells at Thanos what did you do with the last ounce of strength in the gauntlet Thanos teleports away leaving Stormbreaker behind a battered cap approaches Thor asking where Thanos has gone. The next second, Cap looks in horror as Bucky calls out to him while turning into dust. On the battlefield outside Wakanda, the warriors look in on in horror as half of their comrades all suddenly turn to dust. Okoye gasps in horror 
as T'Challa disappears before our eyes. Rocket witnesses his old friend Groot blow away in a cloud of dust. As the Avengers search for the rest of their team, Wanda and Falcon share the same fate. On Titan, Mantis realises something is wrong before her, Drax and Star-Lord disappear in a cloud of dust. Looking on in horror, Stark turns to Doctor Strange who tells Tony there was no other way before turning to dust. Hearing Peter Parker call out to him, Stark cradles Parker as Spider-Man tearfully says over and over again, I don't want to go before, sta <coughs> before disappearing. <sighs> Staring in disbelief, Nebula says he did it. Now I've... Oh, God, sorry. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Ooh, okay. I'm getting emotional. Weepy ending. Yeah, it's... It's the sorry, the Spider-Man bits always gets me. It's, yeah, it's really, it really oh, is God, impactful. Cuts through the heart. Anyway, mm. <sighs> it's one of the saddest and horrifying things I've seen in cinema. It's not gory. It's not horribly inhuman. It's just existentially terrifying. Mm. Suddenly ceasing to exist on mass like that. Just. Yeah. Oh. And the fact that Doctor Strange is one of the first to go, so you get no explanation of... Because you're like, oh, Doctor Strange is going to have the plan because he is the one that handed over the time. Oh, no, he's gone. Yeah. It's... I remember when I saw the snap scene in the uh, in the cinema, the entire place was deadly silent, as, as I said in the letters on... Uh, when I showed the film to my mum, she was deadly silent uh, i spoke to an old friend who saw it with the family and she said when spider-man started begging her sister started crying i can't i can't oh. watch this scene with a dry eye it's it's mm. it's too it's it I, I don't know what it is about it it's just something subtle in in the emotion there it, it, it's losing it's, all these characters but it's also we we see spider-man as a child and we yeah. see him begging for his life and we see how powerless iron man is iron man who has been like our, our hero and the leading figure from the very start of this universe utterly powerless yeah. to see all these heroic powerful figures so utterly powerless in the face of of something like this is is um is horrifying and it's kind of an element of cosmic horror to it and an element of so when it's losing characters it, you know it's always impactful when an, an emotional when a character um, that you care about and have enjoyed for for many years passes away. You know, it di dies off and killed off, and we're seeing that it's just shot after shot of it here. Yeah, it's a, it's a lot to take in. As as much as I love the score for this film, like having the snap sequence play without music was the right choice. Yeah, like you laying out. You, you don't. Uh, we 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 spoken before about the use of music uh, to convey emotion. But like some of the some really good TV shows have done this is don't use the score to tell you how to feel at this moment. You, we don't need to tell you how to feel. Mm. Yeah. Oh, so is this how it happens in the original comics? Is this how the snap happens? This is the big question, I think. It's called the snap because that's how it is presented in the comics. So when Thanos wants to do something mm. grand with the gauntlet, he does snap his fingers, and the the Infinity Gauntlet practically begins almost with this scene um it, and it, the comic book panel is a close-up of just the gauntlet and the text box we call it the sfx box a sound effects box yeah. um, instead of dialogue we just have the sound effect of snap as he snaps his fingers and 
half the universe is gone. Uh, Jim Starlin spoke about this moment saying, I remember exactly how that idea came about. In a lot of restaurants in Europe and Africa, patrons would snap their fingers at a waiter to get their attention. (laughs) And I always found it so disdainful and impolite. To me, the snap was an act of ultimate disdain and contempt. Oh, yes. Oh, I get it. I totally get that. Yeah. It, it there's no it, it's just i don't know it's like how it's almost like how easy it is to kill someone by pulling a trigger that's like the yeah. easiest thing in the world to do and it's kind of taken that to this other this element of just disdain and and all of that yeah so in in the in the comic the infinity gauntlet we don't see anyone turn to dust like this they don't f- turn into dust and fade away they simply blink out of existence ooh and quite quite smartly we we see the impact on the world from Spider-Man's perspective. Spider-Man, who is always our POV, right? Yeah. He's in the middle of Times Square. It's rammed a weekend and rammed with people. And then all of a sudden, it's not. People just vanish from existence and leave terrified loved ones behind. The very first victim we see is a mother staring at an empty pushchair, an empty stroller, screaming that her baby is gone. No. And then Mary Jane is gone. And then Hawkeye and half the Avengers are gone. And then we see the Skrull Empire thrown into chaos. And they blame their old enemy, the Kree. And we see the Kree Empire doing the same, blaming the Skrulls. And so empires start to go to war over over all of this. And the, the very kind of like real world ramifications start to hammer in. Planes drop out of the sky. Oh, yeah. It's um, it's full on. Well, the thing is, we had so much. To, uh, actually, we had there were so many discussions over what must have happened afterwards for so much people. And the more you th- explore it in your mind, what the world would be like, yeah. The more, the more you go, that's terrifying. <laughs> we, also, we got to see some of yeah. that in 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 yeah. the Falcon and Captain America, um, the Falcon, the Winter Soldier, and mm. and, and and Endgame, of course. Endgame, yeah. Um, on another thing, Carrie Coon, who played Proxima Midnight, she was in a TV show called The Leftovers. Now, I don't know if you've ever seen that or heard about it. I know it's it's, it's Abrams again, isn't it? Yeah, or it's uh, the one of the guys who were well, him or Lin, guy, Lindlof. Lindlof, that's yeah. The the premise is based on a book. I, I can't recommend the series enough. the The premise of this the show is uh, randomly one percent of the Earth, or is it ten percent? like eight percent of the Earth just vanish one day. So similar, like almost like this, they just blink out of existence. Yeah, yeah. And I've seen, I've seen, I've seen the first few episodes of it and enjoyed it, but I just for some reason never pursued it. Uh, it gets better after the first season, I will say that. But there, there was one bit in the first beginning of the first episode where a woman is screaming at an empty pushchair, going, "Where's my all? Like, you know, where's my yeah. baby gone?" It's, 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 and it's just like that's the first episode. I remember watching that, thinking, I watched it after Infinity War, and I was going. I can't do this again. <laughs> Please don't do this to me again. <laughs> in Wakanda, Cap and the rest of the Avengers, lost and confused, try to figure out what just happened, staring at the dead body of Vision. On a dead, distant planet, Thanos, in a simple hut on a lush landscape, looks on at the sunset, smiling to himself, knowing he did what needed to be done. Meanwhile, in New York City, Nick Fury and Maria Hill get alerts regarding a situation in Wakanda. A similar energy signature as the Battle of New York, only ten times bigger, was detected. Suddenly, their conversation is cut short when a car in front of them skids out of control and crashes in front of them. Inspecting the car, Maria is puzzled to see no one at the wheel. 
The next second, an out-of-control helicopter flies into a building. As Nick Fury orders Maria to call in a code red, Maria Hill starts turning to dust. As bystanders in the street start turning to dust, Fury hurries back to his car, pulls out an old pager, activates it, just as he is himself turns to dust. Dropping to the floor, the pager sends a message before an unknown symbol flashes on the screen. As I said earlier, seeing a brief window into the snap's effect in a city like New York reminds you just how frightening it would have been all of a sudden. Yeah. Again, yeah. again, watch The Leftovers as well. It's obviously a much more mature uh, show. And I like the way um, they sneakily got Samuel L. Jackson to say his catchphrase in a Marvel Disney movie. Very cool. To, yeah, and just I as did, he's disappearing. I, I, I did like the way we, like I was hyped, I was kind of hyped for the Captain Marvel reference. I was like, oh, they're really leading directly into that next movie. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what do we? How do we feel about um, the end of this film? Then, will I? I, 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 I got to say, I think in terms of exciting, thrilling endings, it's up there with Empire Strikes Back. It is up yes. there with yes. Invasion of the Body Snatchers yep. in in that realm of dark, depressing, horror, horrible endings to a not horrible endings, but horrifying endings. I should say it's. I, I, I struggle to think of a more powerful ending I've seen in the cinema. I, yeah. I, you know, I've watched so many movies in my time. Very few movies have an ending that powerful. But that one, I, I, I can't think of another film that just leaves you with this hangover of pure dread to the point where you're, you're in a daze coming out the cinema. It was just, it was a lot to take in at the end. Mm. did it get you to a point like did you how satisfied i mean did you feel let down by the ending did you feel angry and annoyed at the filmmakers or did it feel satisfying i i I, satisfying would be the wrong word to use but it's the closest word i could find i think i admire them doing something i know obviously we got endgame coming up a year later after that but i admire them going ahead and doing something so horrifying in a way that I think they got the tone of it just right. Yeah. It was just horrifying and depressing, but without leaving too much of a bad taste in your mouth. It's the right kind of horrifying and depressing, if that makes sense. Yeah. For me, like, I didn't have this... I I can appreciate and enjoy the somber end the 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 pathos the tragedy and the emotion being conveyed i didn't have this reaction everybody else had because i was like you know but i knew that was going to happen at some point uh i i I guess it was going to happen and i kind of know i kind of know roughly you know with the next movie they're going to get everyone back like yeah that was my approach so i didn't come out of this like maybe i maybe everyone around me was staggering out of this with in tears and i was like oh what's going to be for dinner Um, (laughs) (laughs) of course you did rob I, I also expect, you know what? I didn't expect the snap to come at the end of this movie. I kind of expected it to happen a lot earlier on, Ooh, and there okay. to be a big fight in, you know, or a big fight against him and all that kind of. I, I, I kind of expected to be a bit more like Infinity Gauntlet, but I think this is the perfect way to have put it all together. There we have it. We have finally put to bed the Infinity War in our biggest ever. MVM episode, our first three parter. Thank you, audience, for being with us on this journey so far. Whether it's your first episode or whether it's like your your, your nearly hundredth episode, we really appreciate that. And we hope that we have done this movie and this 
MCU journey real justice. Um, not over yet. A lot more for us to dig into. Will, I'd love uh, your final thoughts on this movie. Well, what's there to say? This was a real turning point for superhero films for me. Not only did they execute the biggest crossover all time, they provided such a gut punching cliffhanger of an ending that it stays with you always so much happens in this film we've got battles in new york titan wakanda even the battle in wakanda could have been its own movie mm. the script kept a fine balance between tr- tragedy and comedy in just the right doses alan Silvestri's score does such a good job such a good job in this film seeing the bad guy win at the end of a grand film was just harrowing and the wait between this and endgame was even worse than the wait for the final season of breaking bad 2018 to 2019 was a very long year. Uh, any of your favorite slices of trivia that you've uh, learned in our mega three-part episode today? Well, let's, let's see. I, I, I did enjoy Thanos finding the stone, time stone in a garden. <laughs> I, I like the thought of him and that other... He blows up the... Was it the, the champion... Blows up the planet. He does, yes. He's treated blows up the planet. Yeah. He's hanging and just chucks him onto another planet. That was funny. But I think um, I, I, I like the uh, the idea of him simping death, being a massive simp. Massive simp. Massive, massive simp for pathetic death. simp. Um, to read more about the mathic, massive pathetic simp that is Thanos, <laughs> the reading list for today's episode, you can check out Thanos Quest by Jim Starlin, drawn by Ron Lim, and the Infinity Gauntlet as a whole is is there written by jim starlin uh, by george perez and ron lim you can get collections of that um try not to use amazon try to use a real comic book shop um we're gonna have to recover from this and we'll be back in two weeks with our next deep dive episode we're gonna deep dive the first ever x-men adaptation the pilot for a tv series that never happened the year is 1989 we're exploring a cartoon you may have never seen pride of the x-men don't miss it and uh hope you uh clear up your tears and cheer up soon Marvel vs. Marvel was researched, written and performed by Rob Holden and Will Preston. The show is produced by Will Preston and our theme song was composed and performed by Dan Walsh. Head to patreon.com slash marvel vs. marvel for awesome bonus content. (laughs) 